2: Hello and welcome to the Ramon Foster Show brought to you as always by our friends at the Get Go Cafe and Market. They are open 24-7, serving hot, fresh food. Moan, happy Tuesday.
1: Happy, happy Tuesday, dog. Does it feel that way? You know what? What day feels like what when you're busy and having fun with fun with your friends? (laughs) are, Are we friends? Wait, we said this yesterday. Yeah, I confirmed it. I need, I
2: need reinforcement.
1: You need reinforcement daily. Okay, DK is my friend, everybody. That's my guy.
2: Let's talk about another one of your friends and another one of your guys uh, today. Let's talk about Marquise Pouncey.
1: My brother, man. That's my
2: guy. See, it's good that we're getting this part out of the way because we eliminate any and all pretense of lack of bias and everything else here because the subject is going to be, I don't know that I have a hard, firm answer on this. Should Marquise be in the Hall of Fame? Not should he be in the conversation, not should he be in the dialogue. That's easy. But yeah. should he actually be enshrined in the Hall, in ken
1: Yeah. Um, that's a t- it could be a tough question. My first answer is yes. Matter of fact, hell yes. Okay? Like, you know my <laughs> bias on that. And I've always just kind of said, you know, the conversation somebody just, you know, justified for the Hall of Fame is did they control an error? Did they, Hmm. did they, were they headlining an error Era, ERA? And I think the answer would be yes, he did. Um, Oh,
2: I mean, the the stats don't lie. 11 seasons, nine pro bowls, five first team, all pros that might jump out more than anything else here. Uh, Two second team, all pros on the all decade team for the Mm -hmm. 2010s. That is a really big deal. That comes up an awful lot when people are discussing the hall. And of course, he had the one uh, Super Bowl appearance uh, yep. against against Green Bay.
1: And honestly, looking at a guy that that that's a very close comp to him, Damani Dawson, his stats read out as six first-team All-Pros, seven-time uh, Pro Bowler. He's also on the all deck 18. Uh, he right now has still his all-time team. Uh, ranking, and he also has a Steelers Hall of Honor. Marquise just retired. I think he will be in that uh, conversation, also, at least in the Steelers Hall of Honor for sure. We're oh, talking about yeah. the 2010 that, teams. Mm-hmm. He's definitely on the all time team for sure, man. And that's saying a lot considering also you have a guy by the name of Mike Webster who accolades cannot be touched. And we're talking about four uh, Super Bowls that's also on top of his uh, Hall of Fame bout, okay? So Marquise owned an era for sure. Um, first round draft pick, played a whole lot of football, has the personal accolades to go, go along with it, too. Um, I, I think he is. I don't know if it's first ballot because it's always hard to be a first ballot offensive lineman, DK. I hate that. You, you know, everybody playing offensive line is a very selfless thing. All right, you going to give me ranting here DK? I don't want to oh, do. Oh no, it. go go nuts but,
2: because the one thing that we can't discuss here
1: is stats. Yeah, and, and you can't discuss stats. You can talk about a guy starts. You can talk about talk about how tough he was. If he gets the accolades and it's like, well, he was a Pro Bowl all-pro guy, especially if he gets the ring, then it's like, well, yeah, he got the ring and those are justified. But nobody's really counting the pancakes. It's not on NFL stats. And even so much so in the NFL. It's not many guys that's getting pancake blocks like that either. I know when we come out of high school, uh, your recruiting coach might say he's registered 88 pancake blocks on a year. Like, really? Really? Who's tracking that? Who, who's tracking that? But I, I think if you ask most quarterbacks, man, or or running backs or just teammates in general, how important was the offensive line to you? they'd all tell you probably all of them should be in the Hall of Fame. But nobody can really justify it. All we can justify it by is by saying that guy's got five All-Pros and ten Pro Bowls. And because of that, he deserves to get in. But also on the other side of that, the voters don't really look at it that way. Because the Pro Bowl can be looked at as fan voting, and All-Pro can be looked at as circumstantial. Like the years that Marquise wasn't playing. Who was the All-Pro center those years? You know it's because somebody else was out. And I don't think that's a fair assessment of what the position actually is because you're asked to do a lot, and if not more, than the guys that are getting in on first ballots. It's not many wide receivers that are playing 100% of the snaps every single game. It's not many defensive end or defensive tackles that are playing 100% of the snaps on 100% of the games. To be a really good offensive lineman, your availability is always number one, which is not counted when it comes down to the Hall of Fame. I think we celebrated with baseball, Logan Ryan, right? Or uh, the baseball player out of Baltimore, Iron Man. Uh, yeah, Kyle Ripken. Cal Ripken. We mm-hmm. talk about him when he starts so many games in a row. We uh, celebrate uh, uh, Brett Favre when he's an Man type, but an offensive lineman is expected to do it when well, not yeah. every position does that. And I think that right there holds weight. And on top of that, the guys that didn't make the all pros and pro bowls that play offensive linemen, there's so many Cam Haywards that would have a respect for a guy that you as a fan never heard of. Because he knows that guy brings it week in and week out. But nobody really puts a microscope on it unless PFF is saying something.
2: Well, you know what? You just took the PFF letters <laughs> out of my mouth here because, you know what? Say what you want. And and I was there in Latrobe when you did say what you want. When those guys were poor kids, these total nerds on the sideline. And Moan's giving them all this grief about their grades. But the fact is, at least PFF for what it the conceptual component to it is great.
1: I'm okay. glad you say that the conceptual I, I mean, I, grade.
2: Yes, conceptually the idea of somebody making an yeah. effort to study film to see what's going on it's deeply flawed because Thank you. Uh, only football coaches themselves know where you were supposed to be. Yep. Okay, yep. it's not as simple as saying the center fielder didn't catch this baseball. Everyone knows what the center fielder was supposed to do yes, in sir. that situation. He was supposed to catch the baseball. Yep. They don't know where you were supposed to be. And I think as a result, Marquise's contributions and the, the different things that he was asked to do, the extraordinary pulling, the deep downfield yep. blocking that he did, Um is is not going to be sufficiently appreciated. I really believe that it,
1: it won't, and I, I agree with you on the uh, PFF thing. It's it's circumstantial. It's it's not full embodiment of what the the, the position is. And uh, I've actually offered myself. I'll sit down and do a session with you. You know, that's something that maybe you and I can go through one day. We do a film session um, for the for for our viewers, man, and listeners to see, okay, what we saw in certain plays because it is very complicated. And a bad play on TV might not be a bad play in the mm-hmm. offensive line room. And I think that's very unfair. And for the longest, especially, you know, where I'm going to go to the middle three. Guards and centers have been devalued drastically. And whoever, I don't care if a guy said you know, he's robbing from a team or whatever because of his contract pay those guys up the middle the same way we do with the tackles that get in way faster than guards and centers do.
2: Well, that's the other thing that happens here when it comes to Canton is there's a line the same way that there is for wide receivers, the same way that there is for running backs. You don't see more than one from any position get in. By the way, there's kind of one for quarterbacks,
1: but no one talks about that. Which, as well. Yeah, which is why I'm sure Ben appreciates Brady going ben back to Ben appreciates yep. Brady yeah, we'll going say back
2: it. to work. So, uh, And actually, probably Brady will appreciate it too, because the Pittsburgh fans would have just <laughs> dominated the Brady <laughs> session. But enough of that. <laughs> yeah, the, yeah, yeah, when yeah. it comes to the offensive line, the other thing that happens then is offensive line men get <laughs> stuck into one, in, into one pool. Yep, You're yep. not going to see someone I, I fear for, for Marquise that you're not going to hear him get discussed as a center as opposed to as an offensive lineman.
1: Yeah. And to just cap it off, yes, I deserve C to be in. He, he deserves to be in. I loved it for it to be first ballot, but our reality is we don't get those votes like that.
2: No, no. Ask Alan Fanica about that process.
1: When we come back,
2: we're going to
0: talk some more football.
2: How about that? Welcome back to the Ramon Foster Show. And I'm going to tackle a a bit of a a more layered and more serious issue here. That being the the Steelers' employment of Brian Flores and Mike Tomlin's remarks about that this week in West Palm Beach. Uh, Moan. you know, you would think, or you might think, in a normal situation, that the head coach would find all kinds of different ways to couch, well, no, we we, we don't want to have anything to do with this lawsuit mm-hmm. issue or anything like that. We just want the football component. Mike Tomlin didn't exactly do that this week,
1: did he? No, he did not, man. He took the bull by the horns with this situation, man, and, and really just pulled back the curtains a little bit on who he is. You know, uh, one comment I saw was, you know, he didn't want Flores to be on the island by himself while dealing mm-hmm. with this legal situation. And I, I think that's a strong stance to take considering Flores made good money in Miami, but one of those owners, Trump everything he could do in the legal process too, you know, as far as the support and guys honestly shying away from those type of situations where it's like, no, nah, I'm I'm good. That's a you thing. You know, that's what most people do. That's a you thing. He's like, no, nah, I got a voice, my ownership, uh, uh, respects me enough to where they can stand beside me, also, and if I want to support somebody through this, while also being on the opposite side legally against the league, and I, I thought that's very, I thought that was very commendable for Coach T. And hearing him say it, he felt like it was the right thing to do. Uh, yeah, again, I mean,
2: it, it's it's an amazing. Uh, again, the, the way he he worded it, just so everybody has full context here. This was the quote I uh, referring to the process beginning with. When Flores was fired in Miami, uh, Tomlin says, I wanted to stay close to Brian when his legal issues started. I didn't want him to think he was on an island from a coaching fraternity standpoint. I owed him that I was in a position to provide that. Um,
1: Yeah. Wow. that's a lot in one and like one or two sentences, though. Right. Mm -hmm. And and it's also just saying if you're thinking I'm a back down away from it, I'm not. And, and and again, Coach Tomlin's in a position where I think you know he's he's safe enough to where he can stand on that. And but on the other side, some people look at it like, well, Coach see you probably got one or two slip-ups and you're out for supporting him. But that's one thing I, I'll say too. I've Not always kind of <laughs> admired about the Rooney and yeah. the organization that they are. You be you, man. And and they handle football stuff, but they leave that to the coaches too. And as far as the business and guys being themselves, I've never seen them just blatantly intrude on stuff that they felt was right. And I got a feeling, too, that if you're a human being enough, when Flores came out with these conversations about the Miami ownership and them wanting to pay him the tank and his integrity more than anything wouldn't allow him to, and then he gets fired and he outed them, I think a lot of people, if you follow the game, you'd be like, I can see Miami doing that. They wanted a fall guy. Or I can see any organization doing that that's not having people in the front office with that type of integrity. You know, I think mm-hmm. that's the biggest point to be made. And Coach T is like, I'm going to support him because I, I know this to be true, too. And you've been around camps. You've seen the coaches. You guys have seen the coaches that come to La Trobe. We've seen basketball coaches in, in, in the NCAA and in the NBA. I've seen football coaches come by in college. And in the NFL, I've seen frigging hockey coaches come by. I've Mm -hmm. seen all types of coaches. That fraternity that he's speaking of supports each other. Heck, we even saw so far as I hate to use this one, but coach at Ohio State support a guy in a very bad situation. But that's what that coaching fraternity does. That's why you never see those guys crap on one another, really, because they understand what the job is. Everybody's a minion working for the man up top and it's the league and sometimes when you have the ability to to push back you support the ones that do
2: specifically where the issue of race is concerned and the Rooney rule Tomlin was asked um if if basically anything's going to change in the NFL and I'm <laughs> going to read the direct quote again I haven't been in any discussions and no I don't have any level of confidence that would lead me to believe things are going to be better. I'm more of a show me guy than a guy who sits around and talks about things. And you know what? As he's speaking, Moan, he's he's it. Where is he at? Okay, where is he at? Just show me. All he has to do is look in the mirror at the entirety of his specific
1: fraternity. Yep. And not only that, he's saying this thing at the coaches and owners meeting.
2: Yeah. Right there. Right. Right. Right in the middle of them.
1: Right in the middle of them. So that lets you know that fire me if you want to. He'll go get a job somewhere else. If that was what the Runes wanted, which I doubt that. Uh, No. And according to this conversation. But I'm with him on this, man. We could talk. We can they can sit in that hotel. All I think. What is it? Breakers Hotel, I think is the name of it.
2: The Breakers Resort. The
1: Breakers. They can sit there all day long discussing this. But until you see that needle move as far as what the changes are going to be, it's talk, DK. And I'm glad Coach T is actually as far as people of color sitting there and saying, or people who are disenfranchised also. you It's specifically color, but it's a lot of people going through day-to-day things that are pushed us to the side because color-wise, it doesn't affect them. But in reality, a lot of people go through these types of types of things. And one, you need a little bit of support, which Coach T is doing. And two, you need somebody to stand up with you or stand for you behind the scenes. And that's what he's doing.
2: Can't say we're surprised by any of this, right?
1: Nah, not at all.
2: Nah, certainly not his approach to it. When we come back, it's our hey Moan segment. You can. Be- Welcome back to the Ramon Foster Show, and um, yeah, we've got a, an unusual edition of the Hey Moon segment today. It, our entry comes from James Cole, and, and he asks, I have seen the future of podcasting, and its name is the Ramon Foster Show. This show is truly the greatest thing since sliced toast. Who slices toast? You slice the bread and then make toast. But okay. Yeah. Five stars, says James. Two thumbs up. Way up. Have two men with such unkempt hair ever generated so much entertainment? Wow. Moan, is oh, that boy. is that our calling card now? Our collective <laughs> hey, calling hey,
1: card? I, I commented back to our guy, too, with that one, man. Hey. Nobody talks about us like that, DK. I think my hair is fine on this on this video. I'm not conscious about this. Yeah. We're good. It's placed well.
2: Yeah, and we've we've also got the assistance of these headphones. Yeah. That really helps kind of settle things down,
1: you know? I'll tell you what, James, when I go out on date night with my wife, my hair is very fine, okay?
2: When he's feeling the pressure <laughs> of someone yeah. other than James, yeah, he'll go out of his way to do that.
1: <laughs> but, yeah. but to to your to your point though, James, I get it. Most people want to be buttoned up and <laughs> be clean. Like I, I, I hey, p- full disclosure, I get a weekly hair Well, I get a weekly uh, shave now. Like I like I don't shave at home. It doesn't grow fast enough, as you can tell. Um, but Wednesdays is, is haircut day for me Why I get a trim up and try to look nice for you guys. I don't come on here to get slammed. You go, like you
2: that. go to like a shop. I go to a
1: barbershop yeah. to do it. Yeah. My guy Dion here, man, has been cutting my hair for years. Cut my boy's hair now and everything. And, uh, he does he a good gets, job. like
2: some, you get some good dialogue and everything else. going there. Uh,
1: this is where the conversation comes in at. Yeah. Like I'm going there for therapy. <laughs> I'm going in there for a haircut. Okay. I'm going there to make sure my wife still loves me at the end of the day after I get a haircut. <laughs> you know, I come home with that barbershop smell and she's like, oh, you went to the barbershop today. I'm like, yeah, I did.
2: They, they give you a little, uh, ah, oh, yeah,
1: afterwards. And you know what? It used to bother me as a kid that old and smack the face with the yeah, oil yeah, and yeah. back of not, the neck not, stuff. Not now. No, not now. I'm a grown man. Okay. What? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you know, I'll, you know, I'll
2: say this, this. This brings up another point, though, mm-hmm. because one of the things that we talked about when we went daily was like, how ritzy do we really want to make this thing? Okay.
1: Because <laughs> we, we could have
2: done, like, I don't want to say like we would have had like the set of sports
1: and-,
2: and yeah, and like, it's the Ramon show. And we would have had, you know, this all these glass and lights and everything else. And we're all, you know, snazzed up and everything. But doesn't that become kind of inauthentic at that point?
1: I'm going to be real with you. How we did that, real anti-Pittsburgh.
2: Oh, well, then I, there's that.
1: That's one thing I have learned about being in Pittsburgh. You are who you are. You're <laughs> going to be what you were yesterday for the most part. You might have a little bit of change, man. But I love Pittsburgh for those reasons, man. I could just be me. I can go into Capitol Grill, Roof Chris and some jogging pants after the game. You know what I'm saying? I don't know.
2: They might give you a little bit of a side uh, eye for the jogging pants.
1: But but the point <laughs> is, man, whether I was going to Permanis or DeLuca's, I can just be me in that city. And I think that's kind of what I've embodied. That's why I thought Pittsburgh was perfect for me, man. Like, I'll, truth be told, like, uh, I was getting a haircut like every Friday in Pittsburgh, like a real cut cut when I was playing because I had to get suited and booted and ready for the plane, and Carl is outside the airplane on the tarmac before we load up, and I got to make sure my, my fancy watch was shown and my, my custom suit was on, and I'm like, yeah, screw that now, DK. <laughs> I have
2: to ask, just out of curiosity, did you ever have anybody on the team that did hair cutting?
1: Uh, On the team, like who cut hair? The players, yeah. A player that cut hair, no, not, uh, no, okay. hell no. That, that's actually
2: really <sighs> common, believe it or not, in it baseball. Is. In in baseball, there's always yeah, there's always someone on the team who just specializes in in cutting hair and he does all the guys' hair.
1: You want to hear something that's crazy now that you bring it up? My boy's pitching and hitting coach. He was like he was the haircut guy on the team.
2: Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. And they like they need heads to practice on. So (laughs) you're around. Take your cap off and get over here.
1: Oh, uh, uh-uh, no, not on the team. I've known guys in college to cut hair, though. I will okay. say that, yeah, for sure. In college, there was probably like two guys on the team that could cut hair, but I, I wasn't about to get in that chair.
2: Well, James Cole, all of your kind words in there are also accepted and appreciated as well. We'll have another Ramon show tomorrow. Oh, God.